Consider it all joy, my brothers. Rejoice and be in your rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Two passages of scripture that are pretty familiar to us from James chapter 1 and Philippians chapter 4. And they're going to serve as the essence of our study today from God's Word. And we're going to study about the connection between stress and prayer. We're in a series that uh, is about lifting up. We've talked about, a couple weeks ago, Princeton talked about lifting up community. And Bill last week talked about lifting up the Word. And I'm going to talk about lifting up prayer today. And Monty's going to talk about lifting up discipleship next week. And these are, these are core principles. These are core truths. These are things that, that we want all of us to be on the same page about. Well, the Lord wants us to be on the same page. These aren't things that the Sunset Church made up. These are godly principles. As we, as we go into this year, for some of us it's school, but for some of us it's other things. And this school year... <clears throat> or this year of any of our lives, uh, is, is sometimes filled with stress. And we want to talk about that. We want to talk about the connection between, well, what is it that Scripture is going to say about the connection between prayer and stress? Now, I'm not naive enough simply to get up here and say, okay, ring the bell for pray and pray and pray. Just make sure you pray and all your trials will go away. And there won't be any problems and all will be solved. That wouldn't be appropriate. And that's not what Scripture says anyway. Now that's not to say that there aren't things that we need to cry out to God about. Uh, In the foyer, out, uh, all the foyers actually, on the tables, are some prayer cards that have been made up. Some encouragements as to what to pray about and how to pray in the next year. And I hope that you'll take those on the way out. And, and some of the things talked about on this card are what we're going to talk about today. But there are other things on that card. I want, to, I want us to zero in on three specific kinds of prayer that come out of these two passages. And here's the reason I'm doing it. Well, it's biblical, first of all. But I, I don't hear us doing this very much. I heard it in, I heard it in Al's prayer. I thank God for that. Al, you passed the test. Where are you? Thank you. <laughs> he, didn't just, he didn't just ask God because we're hurting and we're stressed and people are in trouble. Did you hear the adoration and praise of God along with that? And that's probably part of the, that is part of the, intre, the, the interest and, and the uh, inflection I'm going to give to today's lesson. Three particular aspects of prayer to help us manage our stress. Now, Scripture is very clear that stress will be in our lives in different ways. First uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 12, he said, Don't be surprised, brothers, at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. And so he warns them ahead of time. Now, that's persecution, but trials can come from all kinds of directions. They can come from, from that direction, but they can also come from things that we just fall into. That's what James will say. And there's sometimes we bring it on ourselves. So, but it can come from all different kinds of directions. And so don't be surprised when it comes. Don't act like, where'd that come from? 
You're not welcome here. That doesn't belong. God didn't promise that. Yes, he did. Paul's going to tell the Thessalonian church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, because they've seen him in trials and he got run out of town, and he had warned them about the trials that are coming to their lives, and he says, you know quite well, because I taught you, that we are destined for them. Trials and stresses, that is. Paul, in his first missionary journey to the churches in Asia Minor, as he's going back through them after he planted them, he puts elders in every place, and he he tells them that we're going to go through many trials to enter into the kingdom of God. Maybe not exactly welcome information, but important information. Not just to know that, but not to take on a mindset that is anti-biblical, as it were. Because our American culture certainly wants us to believe something different and pushes us toward another kind of viewpoint. Our American culture is not really conducive <coughs> excuse me, to embracing or handling these pressures well. We're persuaded that they don't belong. We're persuaded that the fewer trials, the better. We're persuaded that the faster you can get out of them, the better. We're persuaded that if you can avoid them at all costs, that's what we should do. A stress-free life, that might be our highest goal. That might be what our culture says. That's not what Scripture says. Scripture says, and you know this because we emphasize it over and over here at Sunset, in our Bible classes, in our Bible readings, in our sermons, the highest goal for you and me as Christians is that we be like Jesus. That's not something that Jesus thought up after he he put the church in place. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 would say, This has been prepared from eternity. This was God's plan from eternity. That all of you who would of your own free will choice choose to be saved, this is my goal for you. And I need you to accept that that goal is to turn you into the likeness of Jesus. That's the highest goal. And trials and how we handle them and our partnership with God in handling them is a part of that process. If we frustrate that process by not pursuing the ways in which God tells us to, then we're going to hamstring Him in His ability to transform us against our will. Don't think He's going to do that. So, the aim of this lesson is, again, not to ring the bell of just pray, 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 and to send us on our way something you know, something you believe right there. But it is to talk about and to persuade you and I to commit more strongly, perhaps, or maybe initially, to three aspects of prayer that, again, we don't usually say, I don't hear a lot. I don't hear it a lot in my own prayers. Maybe it's because of our humanity. But we need to grow up in this so that we can grow into the likeness of Jesus. So listen to the two texts that we referred to at the very beginning. James chapter 1. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you fall into manifold trials, various kinds of trials, knowing that the proving of your faith works patience. And let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously without reproach, and it will be given to him. But if he asks, ask in faith, nothing doubting, 
For he that doubteth is like the surge of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he will receive anything from the Lord, a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That's James' text. We'll come back to that. Listen to Paul in Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious in anything. That sounds like stress right there, doesn't it? Do not be anxious in anything, but in, in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And listen to this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. What are you trying to tell us, James and Paul? How are you trying to help us become more like Jesus as we handle stress with a particular approach to prayer? Well, let's go back to James chapter 1. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you fall into all kinds of trials. I don't really think I have to tell you that we do that. As I said earlier, we fall into some of those because, well, they're not of our own making. We live in a corrupt society. We live in a cursed earth. Some of those we, we bring upon ourselves, as I said. Some come from persecution that are opposed to our lifestyle and our approach. Some are just, they just happen. Regardless of where they come from, we want to take the right approach to them. And those, those trials are, are not to be sniffed at. They're not to be said, well, they're, they're not anything, they're not that big a deal a Christian to dismiss them. No. But... When we think about those trials, they come in all kinds of forms. Some of you university students may have an intolerable professor this year. How are you going to handle that? The car breaks down and it's so inconvenient when you don't have a ride. Or maybe inflation and the monetary pressures and college loans and other monetary financial difficulties that we are experiencing as a culture, almost widespread. What do we do with those? A roommate, or a spouse, or a boss, or a neighbor, or a friend is annoying to the point of, and maybe they do things that challenge your own purity and sanity while you're around them. What kinds of trials cause you stress? They're coming. Remember, don't be surprised at the painful trial you are, you are encountering. And so what we want to do is we don't want to enter into our trials with an, a morbidity about them. We don't, we don't want to think, wow, life is like walking down a dark alley and I'm going to get mugged at every turn. That's not the Christian life. It is an awareness, however, that those are a part of our lives. To say they're not is not healthy. And again, the goal of our lives is not to have a stress-free life but rather to manage our stress, to be a partner with God, to allow that stress to do His will in our lives, to manage that stress. So James, help us out. Consider it all joy. Count it all joy. Deem it joyful. Not the hurt of the trial itself. That's ludicrous. 
It hurts. It's inconvenient. It's not, it's not something that feels good. That's not what he's saying here by just getting giddy about it and lying about it. What he's saying here is count it all joy because, once again, the outcome is perfection. The outcome is perseverance. The outcome, one of the translations for perseverance is constancy. I like that. You know, when we're in stress, it's kind of like feeling the emotional roller coaster, perhaps, or even the physical roller coaster that we might go through. Well, it's all right today, but whoops, tomorrow night, up and down. This word says that when we handle stress correctly, the dips are less significant and maybe the highs are not as high. There's a constancy about life. It keeps us from being stalemated. It keeps us from saying, I can't move until this stress is removed from my life. God's after a life that can continue to do well when stress is upon us. Continue to carry out our Christian responsibilities <coughs> Excuse me, while that's going on. That's what he's after without being stalemated. Again, the goal is Christ-likeness. That's what we're after. That's what God's after. And tacit Tacit acknowledgement of that is not the goal. It's, it's not sufficient. So once again, help us out, God. Help us out. Because now we're willing to sign on again to the highest goal in our lives that you have said is the highest goal in our lives. Knowing that, what will be these three aspects of our prayer that may be a little different or maybe just be more than we're in the habit of doing? Consider it all joy. The first one, I'm going to go back to Philippians 4 and 4.4. 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. If you didn't remember, if we, you know, that tune's kind of catchy, isn't it, that we sing? Rejoice in the Lord always. You probably don't recognize the tune with me singing it. But, <clears throat> but it's kind of a light tune. But it's in the context of stress. That text, that is. Rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because you've got anxieties. You've got stresses. Do not be anxious. Do not let those stresses overcome you. So rejoice in the Lord is in the context of don't let the stresses overcome you. It's actually part of the solution to letting them not overwhelm us. What are you getting at? Rejoice in the Lord means focus on Him. Because when we have stress and temptations to, to think about ourselves all the time, the Lord says, I'm still here. I haven't changed. When you were and I were in peacetime, what was I? I was good. I was powerful. I was king. I was the king of peace. I was in control. Now that you're in trial, has something changed about me? And so part of our prayers need to give that adoration that Al prayed, that thanksgiving. Even when the trials are coming... The praise and the adoration and the thanksgiving and the confession of who he is. You say, where do, where do I come up with those words? Part of it might be in the Psalms. You know the Psalms are written by David and other writers. And a lot of those Psalms are crying out for deliverance. But it's interesting that in some of the Psalms you might not know are deliverance Psalms. Are Psalms that start with thanksgiving in them. And then he gets down to the, to the latter part of it, and he's crying out as if he needs deliverance. So in the same psalm is this, you are God, thank you, 
you are glorious and I need deliverance because I'm hurting. Those are very conducive in the same kind of prayer. But if we're just running to God and say, get me out of this. Where are you? I don't know what's changing about you. Get me out of this. It hurts too much. This is stunting my goals in life. Then we're missing part of what God wants us to do. He wants us to focus on Him, at least in part. And to name Him for who He is because He has not changed. He has not changed. It might do us well to write out some of those prayers so that we can read them as some of the elders do when they come to this pulpit. They've already prepared their prayers. But then there's a second part of this considered all joy. And that's what he says just specifically in verse 3, in verse 2 of of James 1. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. Why? Count it all joy that God is doing what he wants to in my life with these trials. Not counting it joy, again, glibly, that this feels good because it doesn't. But can we see beyond the trial to say, God would like to use this as one of his tools, not his only tool, but one of his tools to shape you more like Jesus. Do you know we can't be like Jesus completely without this? We would like to be like, I know all of us, I think, would say, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. You can't get there except through sufferings completely. You can't get there through sufferings unless you let God help you through those sufferings. Did Jesus have to learn perseverance through the things that he suffered? Hebrews. Do we have to learn perseverance, patience through the things that we suffer? We can't really get there any other way. And so the Lord says, you consider it joy of what I'm trying to do in your life that I can't do to you any other way. So if we're running from the trials, we're running from one of his tools. If we're wanting to him just to remove it quickly, it takes us out of the opportunity of his to shape us into the likeness of Christ that we can't have any other way. question is, do we want it? Do we really want the Christ-likeness as much as we say we do? Or maybe sing as much as we do? So, so the charge for you and me up to this point is, will you and I commit? Commit more solidly. Commit more often to these kinds of prayer when the stress comes. Again, he wants to hear our requests. He wants to hear our sorrow and our pain. We're not dismissing that. That's part of Philippians 4 too. Make your request known to God. He wants to hear it. But do it with thanksgiving. That's part of what we're talking about here. Will you change or, or adjust your prayer life to some degree if you need to? We need to commit to that so we can grow more into the likeness of Christ. But here's the third kind of prayer. Ask or seek God's wisdom to navigate the stress. If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God, who gives to all generously. There's the promise. It's waiting there for us. Ask and you shall receive. But if we don't ask, we don't receive. Even the same author James tells us that. We want to ask for his wisdom. What are we really talking about here? We're talking about wisdom as to how to navigate the stress. We may not know exactly how to navigate these stresses and trials that come our way. We may need wisdom. 
And there are a couple of emphases that I want to make here. I think right off the bat, it goes back to what Bill talked about last week. The wisdom of God is right here in His Word. I want to take you to Jesus' temptations for just a minute to illustrate this. You remember when He was tempted, and He was under stress too, recall. Been in the desert for 40 days without food. That's stressful. And here comes the trial and temptation of the devil as he wants to use it. And you know what he does. He quotes texts out of Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 8. But he's not just picking up a scripture and throwing it at the devil and think that's going to run him off. That's not what's going on there. When Jesus sees the temptation and the trial before him, there is this repository of text, scripture, principles of God that he's laid up in his heart since his childhood. And many of you have too. And when he discerns what's going on here, he says, this wisdom of God applies to this situation. And when he takes him up on the, the temple or when he takes him up on a high mountain, gives him those different temptations, he says, this principle from God's word applies to this situation because I've laid it up in my heart. That's the wisdom of God. But if I don't have the wisdom of God laid up in my heart from the word, I don't know what to call on. I don't have the repository. Maybe I would, unfortunately, go to secular sources. Maybe my favorite book. Maybe a media personality. Maybe the latest podcast. Maybe the latest whatever. That is coming from a worldly wisdom point of view, not from the wisdom of God. And that wisdom sends us down the wrong path. So, we need to be laying up God's Word in our heart so that we can deal with these stresses and trials that come our way. We recognize them and we know how to handle them because of God's wisdom. But sometimes that wisdom comes through others who have laid up God's Word in their hearts. We have elders. We have men and women who are wise in this congregation. Do you know who they are? Do you have some that surround you? Usually that's not our peers although it might be at, at times, that's certainly not the worldly wisdom, as we've said. It is those people who have been laying up the word in their hearts year after year. And they've had some experience winning against those stresses and those trials. And they're probably waiting for us to say, can you help me out? Can you give me some wisdom to navigate the stress that I'm going through that probably you've been through? And whether you were successful or not, you learned, help me out. Help me out. The wisdom of God is right here among us. But don't forget the spirit that lives within. The sword of the spirit is the word of God, Ephesians 6 says. So as I lay up the word in my heart, the spirit who wants to turn me into the likeness of Jesus, that's why he's there to help me out, to empower me is using and helping us gain wisdom. I don't know all the ways in which the Spirit works through the Word and other people and inside of me. I just know those promises are there. What if I don't ask? If you don't ask, you don't have. Remember what James said? Ask in faith, nothing doubting. For he that doubts is like the surge of the sea. So, when I do this, and, and when my prayers include these three things, what's the, what's the promised result in God's point of view? 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That sounds like when I'm stressed, I can be at peace in my mind and heart. That's exactly the promise. If we go about it the way he asks us to. He finishes this text, and we didn't read it. You know verse 13 of chapter 4 of Philippians. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's in the context of trials and tribulations. Paul says, I can be content when I don't have a lot or when I have some. When in peacetime or in, in stress, I can be content. That's the same word as peace in essence. And I can do it through the strength of God, the strength of Jesus. If I follow his way of doing that, certainly in prayer. I want that peace, even in the trials and tribulations. And you've been around godly people and Christian people who seem to have peace in a struggle. And they're not, they're not just... They're not just checking out. Sometimes we do that, don't we? Sometimes we just want to check out. That's our way of dealing with stress. Or we binge on something not so healthy for us. Rather than run to God and say, I'm hurting. You know I am. And I'm going to invite you into my life in specific ways. In the three ways that's on the next slide there. Thank you for pulling that up. I want to rejoice in who God is. I want to count it a joy in regard to what he's doing in my life, trying to make me like Jesus. And I want to ask for wisdom to navigate the stress. Sunset member, this is not my call. This is the biblical call. Will you commit more strongly to those three kinds of prayer, along with making our requests known to God? that we might be growing into the likeness of Jesus even more than we have up to this point in our lives. Would you believe the text? Would you give God the glory? Would you stay with Him? Would you count it even a joy that He's giving you characteristics of Jesus that you couldn't have any other way? When we sing the song in just a second, will you be committing to that? But then there may be people in this audience who are not Christians, and I'm I wondered as I was preparing this, like, what are they going to think? Maybe you think, this is as foreign as it gets. Because I've been told all my life, and I've been told in the educational world, and I've been told in the business world, and I've been told by all these voices that say, this is the way you handle stress, and it's opposite of that. It's not even close to that. And I hope that you realize that's a failure. That doesn't get you closer to God. Becoming a Christian does. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? That he was raised from the dead? That's what we Christians celebrated today. We believe he's alive. We're proclaiming his Lord's death, as Todd said. We believe he's alive. He's coming back. And he wants you to be a part of his body. This church, church worldwide, the saved of the earth. Those who are saying, I'm forgiven. And I'm on my way to the heavenly reward that he promised for me. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If we can help you take that step, initial step, to moving toward the likeness of God, the likeness of Christ, salvation, do that while we stand and sing. <laughs>